Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I am coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the airport of Philadelphia. I've been traveling for the last few days. Um, my son is actually looking at going to a military college in the U.S. We have flown in from Asia and visited several military universities. Uh, we've been to the Citadel. We've been to VMI. We've also done uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, we are uh, on our way over to Texas A&M where we have actually a stopover in um, Mississippi where my pastor will be appointed as a bishop. So he will have a bishop coronation ceremony. Uh, we plan to surprise him and show up at that ceremony in Moorhead, Mississippi. And we are looking forward to it. And then from there, we will go up to uh, one of the military universities where the ROTC program first started. That is, ROTC is a uh, reserve officer training uh, selection candidate course where um, candidates that want to be officers actually go through a type of training, which my son wants to be an officer in the United States Marine Corps, or at least that's what he's training for now. So we've been going to several military colleges and talking with counselors and going through that whole joy and mess. However, one of the things that does make me concerned right now as my son is looking at enrolling into a military college to become an officer in the United States military is the current situation with North Korea. I've been giving updates on it on a regular basis, but this podcast, I want to share something with you that you might not have heard anywhere else. Uh, it'll kind of make things maybe a little bit I don't know if it will make them more muddy or if it will make them more clear for you. But it definitely will be information that I think is essential to understanding a little bit about what is taking place right now. Because as you've been watching the news, most people that have been watching have been seeing that North Korea is making these threats and America is responding to them. What you may not know or be aware of is that South Korea is currently going through a process right now where they have an emergency election. Uh, they have an election because their president was just um, impeached. They, they're going through a, a absolute political turmoil in South Korea right now. Uh, within a couple weeks of this podcast, when I'm doing this podcast, May 9th, they will be having an election for a new president. Their president usually serves a term of about five years, but the President Park, who was a member of the Grand National Party, which was the ruling conservative party in South Korea since 2008, has been impeached. That, that's massive. 
for South Korea. I mean, imagine what it would be like if um, the country that you live in was going through an impeachment process. Now, uh, thank goodness South Korea is a country that is a law-abiding, a law-respecting country where when they do go through the impeachment process, the president steps down. So you don't have this kind of impeachment. So the, the president puts together a military and, and maintains power no matter what, as we are seeing right now in the Banana Republic of Venezuela. Um, this, this is true power to the people, not like what we're seeing in Venezuela. Venezuela, which went hardcore socialist and started bringing in companies that were owned by the state, which never works out good for anyone. So Venezuela saw these big oil companies making money. They basically told the poor people, hey, look, you're poor, they're rich. We should take from them and give to you. So right now, uh, oil is almost free in Venezuela. However, the people are begging for food. So you have the conservative party that has basically been in charge in South Korea since 2008. And President Park, uh, just a couple years ago in 2014 and 2013, she was ranked as number 11 of Forbes' list of the top 100 most powerful women in the world. Number 11. So she was, uh, she had sky high approval ratings that was almost in the hemisphere of 70%. Anybody from any real democracy would know that 70% is a heavenly number. Nobody would come, really come close to, to 70%. Even the most popular presidents in the United States don't get anywhere near 70%. Even during time of war, they're usually close to 60 or above 60, but not in the, and not in the high 60s or 70%. You get into 70 70, 80, 90% when you start talking about dictators that basically will kill you if you don't like them and, and those polls are so skewed they're not even they're not even being close to being real. But President Park, she's been the uh, uh, president now in South Korea until this huge scandal broke out just a couple months ago. Um, basically, it goes back to her early childhood. When she was just a little girl um, in the 1970s, her mother was assassinated by a North Korean sympathizer. And because her mother was assassinated by a North Korean sympathizer, you can bet your bottom dollar that she doesn't have a lot of sympathy when she goes after those in North Korea. It wasn't just her mother that was assassinated. Her father was assassinated as well. In this story that reads a lot like Brutus and Caesar, um, her father was assassinated by one of his best friends and top lieutenants. Uh, they were involved. It, it, her, her father was a president. Her mother was a first lady. And then they were both killed. At just a traumatic experience. It had to be for a little girl. <clears throat> But when um, President Park lost her mom, there was a shaman cult leader that came in and began counseling them and began to first he, – he was a, um, a counselor to um, President Park's father. But um, over time, he said that he had a dream. That's how shamanism works. I don't know if you're familiar with shamanism, but basically it's, it's a practice of where a person believes that they're able to go in different states of consciousness to communicate with the spirit world. We see this in the American Indian culture. We see this and, and also those that were, um, and we just did a series on the Boxer Rebellion in China in the 1900s. In the 1900s, the Boxer Rebellion, when they fought against the Europeans and the Americans, um, they were a, f a form of shamanism. That is the, the leaders, the, the spiritual guides, the spiritual leaders were known as Jitongs. 
And these Jitongs, they taught a prayer that all the boxers had to pray, which basically allowed them to reach a different state of consciousness by asking for spirits to take over their body or to um, possess them to become demon possessed and and that is what they believed gave them supernatural powers in order to become bulletproof for when the Europeans fired upon them and they had their swords so they believed that they were able to transcend a lot of the the natural things in order to become supernatural to defeat the enemy of the west that was the spirit of the box rebellion and that's very much what we saw or what we we see with shamanism even with um the shaman that was an advisor for President Park, um, President Park's father. Um, he, it's it's deeply rooted in the idea that there are spirits all around, and that by going into a trance, you can communicate with them. You can do certain things um, that will allow you to be guided by them, to be able to listen to dead spirits, animal spirits. Uh, there's a lot of different types of shamanism. Of course, there isn't like one guide, like with Christianity, that kind of sets a canonism or a guideline of the rules for the religion there are a lot of different beliefs and it's widespread it's it's um in a lot of different cultures found all around the world usually the more indigenous backward cultures those that did not advance very far technologically are those that believe a lot in shamanism which doesn't really speak well of shamanism and um this appealed it had to had to appeal to Miss Park, the president, the, the former president, uh, who was just ousted uh, a few weeks ago, um, who was impeached a few weeks ago in South Korea. This had to appeal to her. Why? Because she was a little girl and her parents were dead. She had to want to communicate with them. She, there's a story about Houdini. Uh, Houdini offered like a large amount of money to be able to get these fortune tellers to be able to communicate with his mother. He so desperately wanted to talk with her. But in the end, he was able to find that m- these guys were all tricksters. They all had some sort of gimmick. And so he would find their gimmicks. He would find the things that they were doing in order to fool people, how they would learn information, how that they would do these little things that would make signs, signs that would be indicative of a spirit being in the room like the moving of a table the moving of a tablecloth the moving of the hands all these little tricks uh, he was able to find them and he offered money now he offered the money and he offered this challenge and he did it all around the united states anybody that could prove him wrong and really talk to his mother he would give this big amount of of money to and he really wanted somebody to claim that money he really wanted somebody to claim that money because he really really wanted to communicate with his mother who he loved dearly and missed dearly anybody anybody that has lost a loved one wants to hear from them one more time to feel them hug and embrace one more time can you imagine being this little girl losing your mommy and daddy that's what happened to Miss Park, who eventually became the president. Well, the shaman's daughter also became a practitioner of shamanism, and her name is Miss Choi. Guys, I'm, I'm not giving you some crazy side story. 
this is at the center of what we are seeing right now in North Korea. And, and it's not being talked about really by anybody. Now, you can read about it. Now, this the information that I'm giving to you is not secret information. It's not, I, I, I don't have inside scoops. I don't have backroom stories of people that I'm talking to and bringing, all of this information is available, but it's not really considered to be important. And I consider it to be something for our audience, for those that are praying, to be at the forefront of exactly what is taking place with North Korea. So the daughter of the shaman is a woman by the name that that we call Miss Choi. And Miss Choi um, started to become a spiritual advisor to Miss Park, the president, President Park. I'll, I'll, I'll just refer to her as President Park. Um, but it's important to know that, you know, we're not talking about her father, also President Park. Obviously, same last name. So <clears throat> we have um, President Park who is now turning to shamanism to communicate with her dead mother. And d- d- Mr. Choi, Miss Choi's father, who was, he, he's, he's not just a shaman, okay? He didn't practice this from, from birth. He was born into a Buddhist family. He became a Buddhist monk. So we're talking about a, a, a deeply spiritual individual because he became a, a Buddhist monk. And then he converted to Catholicism. And he left Catholicism because he felt that he was called to set up a church called the Church of Eternal Life. And this Church of Eternal Life is this cult that where he has borrowed a little bit from Christianity over here and a little bit from Buddhism over here. And he's created this entirely new form of shamanism where he himself has been declared as the main enlightened leader. Go figure. <coughs> These... Um, Jim Jones cults, if you will, kind of pop up where individuals basically claim themselves to be a deity or have some sort of special claim on the spiritual world where they themselves have access that very few other people do. By the way, I'm preparing a message right now to to, to preach at our uh, church in Hong Kong um, about the beauty of God's law. And the reason why I'm talking about the beauty of God's law is because so many Christians do away with the law. They think that, that Christians are not, do not have to abide by the law. That's a part of the old covenant. We're a part of the new covenant. And so most, all of the new testament, new testament is basically adopted. The old testament is done away with, except for the cool little stories that we, we want to pop in every now and then. But that's not, the case. If we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we have to realize that Jesus was a Jew and and practiced the law and kept the ceremonies. And while I was researching that, one of the things that hit me, because of course we're coming up on the day of Pentecost, so we've just passed Easter and um, uh, 50 days after the day of Pente- or the day of Easter is Pentecost, and I don't know about you. Okay, this is a side note. I'm getting sidetracked a little bit, and I don't know about you, the listener, how much you know about the day of Pentecost. But for me, I've always thought about Pen- the day of Pentecost as being Pentecostal. Right? I mean, I, I, I thought that that was the day of Pentecost, and that's all I've ever associated with the day of Pentecost is Acts chapter 2 with the day of Pentecost, not, not really anything else that had to do with Jewish tradition or the Old Testament. When actually, it, the, the, 
the, Luke tells us very clearly that the disciples were waiting in the city of Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. Uh, they weren't waiting. They didn't know that the Holy Spirit was going to come on that day. Not that not that the Bible tells us anything that says that they, they're anticipating something to happen sometime, but they weren't given an exact date. They weren't given a time. They were just told to go and wait and a comforter would come to them. And... Uh, as I started to do more research into that and look into that, I realized that Pentecost, the day of Pentecost that they were waiting on, was a Jewish holiday that Jews from all over the known world at that time had actually come into Jerusalem and were there in Jerusalem for the festival. And that is why they were there for the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved and they heard the gospel being preached in their own language. Um that was because of the day of Pentecost. They were there for this harvest uh, holiday, uh, which is a very festive holiday where men dance and there's a lots of joy. And it's kind of the first of the cereal harvests, the, the, the first fruits, if you will. And as I started to look at that and do more research, I found that the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, which is 50 days after the Passover festival, that's why it's called Penta, Penta being 50. Uh, you have um, um, the seven weeks, which is 49, plus one day, which is the Passover day, which is 50, comes to 50 days. So you have 50 days, and they celebrate the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. That is what you have. So you have um, the Passover where God delivers the Jewish people from the Egyptians. And then you have Pentecost where God gives the law to his people and makes a covenant with the people. And here's the thing. I've always thought of um, the giving of the law as a a private matter between God and Moses, and then Moses gives the law to the people. But actually, if I go into Exodus 19 and 20, I see that the Jews were all gathered there when the law was given. So movies, watching these movies, because I didn't come from a, an active Christian family, so a lot of my first initial exposure shapes my later exposure to God's Word. And my initial exposure was movies. You know, what I saw in the movies. Even though I wasn't a Christian, you know, I was well entertained by some of these Christian movies. And what I saw in the Christian movies shaped my intake of a lot of the Christian things that I was reading in the Bible, including the giving of the law in Exodus chapter 20, where I just assumed I'm reading past things that are very clearly there, but I'm reading it with a mind that's already been uh, uh, shaped by a movie that I've seen prior. So as I'm reading, I'm reading Exodus chapter 20 through the lens of Hollywood where I believe that Moses is on Mount Sinai by himself and God is talking to Moses by himself. And then he comes down and talks to the people and tells the people exactly what God said. But actually, when we first see the thunder and the lightning and the roaring winds and the people are shaken, they're there, they're scared. And they want Moses to be the representative because they're so stinking scared from what they're seeing from this mighty God shaking the earth. They were all present. Which... The, the Judaic teachings teach that there were several languages that the initial Ten Commandments was given in and that the Jews ha were able to hear this in different languages. 
which is very much like the wind and fire that we see in Acts chapter 2, again, where several thousand people are there and witness it. So the reason I bring that up is because with this shaman, this Mr. Choi, it's very much like Muhammad. You know, these are individual experiences. This is this is very much like um, uh, Guantama Siddhartha, the the original Buddha. Uh, This is very much like the the founding of Mormonism, where you have these individual, private. Uh, revelations from an angel, like whether it's the angel Moroni, um, or, or like in Mormonism, um, or uh, it, with the shaman, a dream, or a spiritual guide. But it's individuals, and these guys just come out and they say, "Hey guys, guess what? I am a spiritual leader." There was a there was this crazy event that took place last night where an angel get this an angel came into my room and told me all this really cool stuff that you now need to listen to and you need to abide by and by the way you need to give me money and take care of me and protect me and listen to all the words that I say basically make me a king and worship me because an angel that you can't see because you're not worthy of it or you're not smart enough or you're not as spiritually in tune as I am somebody that you can't see and you can't hear it from don't worry about all of that little detail stuff um, I hear from them on your behalf, and this is what they say. So we just we are supposed to just take their word for it. That's not the case with Christianity and Judaism. In Christianity and Judaism, there were thousands of people that actually saw the covenant made between Jehovah and the Jewish people. That's why they celebrate the Pentecost. That's why they have cheesecake, which my wife is very, very thankful for. And then they read the book of Ruth. And then they read through the book, uh, the, the, the laws. And then Christians, where the Holy Spirit actually initializes the first revival that takes place in the church, the church that Jesus promised in Acts chapter 2. There again, we see several thousand people that are witness to the Holy Spirit, as well as those that had already witnessed the resurrection and ascension of Christ. These are not individual experiences that people have by themselves in private but instead are corporate experiences and i I just had to throw that out there because i thought that was interesting when we look at mr Choi and the 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 founding of this group that's called the church of eternal life um, where he's borrowed both from christianity and buddhism and he created this new form of shamanism where he declared himself as the main enlightened leader of course, that's, I mean, who else is going to be the leader, right? The, the guy that actually got the experience. And, and I'm not doubting their experience, by the way. I'm not saying that Muhammad did not hear from the angel Gabriel. I'm not saying that Buddha didn't have these real experiences when he basically starved himself to death and then realized that he was a part of a circle that he could actually get out of and that all pain came from desire and all of the other enlightening enlightening thoughts that he actually had. I'm not saying that those were not real experiences. The Bible clearly says that the devil will come to us as an angel of light. 
obviously these individuals were used in very, very powerful ways because they have been able to influence and lead astray hundreds of thousands of millions of people over several thousand years through different religions. But what we have here in South Korea is that Miss Choi, the daughter of the shaman, became a spiritual advisor to President Park. And that was just discovered last year in 2016, at the end of 2016. Ten years before, in 2006, President Park was hospitalized because she was attacked by a razor. Somebody sliced her up. She had to go to the hospital. She was put into the emergency room. And Miss Choi stood by her side and even took her to one of her family members' house to be able to recover. This, in addition to the fact that she tragically lost both of her parents, led to a relationship between this shaman, this Miss Choi, who practiced shamanism, and President Park. And information about this began to come out through WikiLeaks. And people began to learn that there was not just a special relationship where there was a spiritual um, kind of comforting going on between Miss Choi and President Park, but that Miss Choi was intimately involved in using spirits to make state decisions for South Korea. From state decisions to, to what kind of handbag and purse President Park would cover, would carry. And Ms. Choi has been accused of possibly passing on top secret information. She she Ms. Choi ran this cafe in Seoul and she's been using the second and third floor of this cafe in downtown Seoul to have meetings with extremely influential business people. The the this the story as it's broken out goes all the way to big groups like Samsung, um, but also has to do with presidential advisors and big politicians. And there's money taking hand, changing hands going back and forth. There's investments taking place, and and Miss Choi is at the center of this, basically having unique access to President Park, and then using that access to be able to gain influence with other people. And in, many people began to say that Miss Choi was running the presidency. Now, whether that is all true or not didn't really matter. It caused a massive frenzy throughout all of South Korea. And on November 12th, all hell broke loose when about one million people marched in the streets of Seoul. This is only a few months ago, November 12th of 2016. A million, a million people marched in the streets of Seoul demanding that President Park step down. Now, this is the president on in South Korea. This is this is right at the time. Now we you didn't hear a lot about this on November twelfth, a million people marching in Seoul. Why? Why didn't you hear about it? Because everybody around the world was freaking out that Donald Trump had just won the presidency. Nobody saw that coming. The world kind of turned upside down, especially since this is coming on the heels of Brexit. So there was a lot of big fish to fry in November of 2016. So not a lot of people were watching. But her approval ratings, like I said, were in the hemisphere. They were like high 60s. By uh, January of this year, 4%. 4% approval rating. I think ISIS probably has a better approval rating in South Korea than President Park. 
And so last month, she was formally impeached and removed. And then the second-in-command has now taken over, and they have an interim president, which hasn't been doing really well because he doesn't want to run for re-election because of the unpopularity of the conservatives. So because of the unpopularity of the conservatives – now remember, there is not a permanent president right now in place in South Korea while North Korea is doing their sable-rattling. That's the whole reason I wanted to bring this up. Because we have an extremely unstable situation in South Korea right now that should be concerning for everybody involved because we need all the stability in Asia that we can get. So <clears throat> right now you have this this uh, presidential candidate by the name of Moon. M- uh, Moon Jae-in, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, I don't speak Korean. So Moon Jae-in um, is thought to be the front runner for for president, basically a shoe in has it in the bag. Except he doesn't. So what's been happening <laughs> when people are basically like it's in the bag. It is it dude, it's not I don't even know why we're having this this election. I remember I was I was um in the UK during um, the election and everybody said, yeah, it's a shoe and I don't even know why anybody is even doing this as a uh, a, a, a vote um, it'll definitely be shot down and the next thing you know June 2016 Brexit becomes a reality and then it, basically it was a shoe in for uh, Hillary Clinton and now it's not the case at all and so people have been saying for the last couple months that Moon is a shoe in for president in South Korea He's the more liberal party. Uh, he's actually the person that runs the Democratic Party of Korea. When out of nowhere comes a software tycoon turned politician by the name of Anchul Sol. He's a dark horse. A dark horse, which we have learned in the last year, you do not count these guys out, especially when they're business tycoons that turn politician out of nowhere. The winds of change are coming. I mean, we just saw France uh, about a week ago have a complete upset with Marine Le Pen, right? Another person that people say, and they continue to say she has no chance, zero chance. All the liberal parties are going to consolidate. They'll stomp her. She was not supposed to get in second place during this runoff for president. But here we are, Brexit, Trump, Marine Le Pen, and now Moon Jae-in. Who knows what's happening during this political climate right now, but he is no longer the shoe-in. Now we have a real race on our hands with Anchul Sol. And what's happening with North Korea is freaking people out. And so they're rallying the conservatives who are backing Anchul Sol. This is a big deal. The reason why is why all this is going on in South Korea if war breaks out with North Korea, we're going to see a major, major economic atomic bomb. This will go nuclear because the world's largest economies will be involved. America, world's largest economy, number one. China, number two. Japan, number three. So we got the top three economies already involved in this North Korean deal. And then South Korea, 
is world's number 12. That's if you count the European Union as one big economy being number two. If it's number two, then South Korea would be number 12. And Russia would be just ahead of them at number 11. So you have <laughs> you have five of the world's top 15 economies, top 12. Five out of the top 12. So you're talking about 45% of the world's economy going to war, the top 45%. I mean, it's it, it absolutely it, you're this will rattle the markets around the world can you imagine the economy of the US China Japan Russia and South Korea all kind of being involved in there and here's the thing this is the thing that a lot of people I don't think really take into account when it comes to North Korea is that okay North Korea they got a they they they've been working on nuclear capabilities that's a fact but it's not their nuclear capabilities that actually makes them dangerous, as dangerous as what they can do if they feel threatened at any time. Let's, let's say that an attack takes place at any one given place. The problem is, is that we don't know where all of their known, where all of their operational missiles are. So if you hit one or two or three simultaneously, there's a chance that four or five or six of ones that we do not know where they're located we don't even know if they exist people we did not even know that kim jong-un existed five years ago we, it, 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 wikipedia did not even have information on his birth date when he took over as the new leader of north korea a, a lot of the things that take place there um, are happening behind a very strong bamboo curtain. And because of that, we don't have a strong uh, uh, grasp on where their, all of their missile silos would be. So if we hit one or two or three or four simultaneously, those ones that we did not know about or the ones that we were not sure about, their, their locations can be extremely dangerous because then after that first strike takes place the their follow-up strikes can be absolutely devastating and that's if we just talk nuclear if we don't talk nuclear and we look at their artillery operations alone i've been on the 38th parallel working together with the with the military that their artillery operations and this they just did a massive demonstration three days ago three days from from uh today uh, three days ago, they did this massive uh, military operation where they really showcased their artillery. They brought out more than 300 artillery guns. Now, think about that. These 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 um, art, artillery, which is considered to be the king of the battlefield, um, if they have just the ones that they had on demonstration and they worked when they were demonstrating them. So if they only have those 300, but that's only a, a small fraction of what they actually have. But let's pretend that's in their entire arsenal. The artillery guns can be able to reach a range of just outside 40, 50 kilometers. So they would be able to reach Seoul from the 38th parallel with their artillery operation. If something happened, they can launch all 300 of those artillery guns, point them directly at Seoul, and let loose. Now we're talking about standard mechanized military. We're not, if we just take nuclear off the table. If they are able to use those at the, the, the highest, um, um, 
firepower of a, of 300 units. So if they have 300 artillery guns, they would be able to do a maximum rate of fire of about six rounds per minute per artillery gun. With that, that means that they're able to launch 1,800 artillery rounds per minute. 1,800 artillery rounds per minute. That will not be stopped by THAAD. Uh, THAAD is the is the system, the terminal high altitude area defense system that we've seen that um, uh, China and Russia are protesting that the U.S. is bringing that into South Korea. This THAAD system. Those are for um, high altitude area defenses where they shoot missiles out of the air. This is not an apparatus to protect them against artillery. Artillery is basic mechanized units that can be moved by um, artillery units protected by infantry units up to the 38th parallel and then launched at six rounds per minute per artillery gun. And if we just go by the 300, which I think is way, way, way low on the conservative scale, um, they can do about 1,800 per minute directing just at Seoul alone. Now, if they direct at just Seoul alone, that's still going to be about 26 million people in the metropolitan area of Seoul. 26 million people basically going to be bombarded, most of them civilians, by artillery shells out the wazoo. And we haven't even looked at the 38 million people that are in metro area of Tokyo, Japan. That would be within reach of some of the submarine um, missiles that we just learned that they had during the parade that was that took place earlier this month. So <laughs> it it's it would not be about winning for Kim Jong Un. It would be about destruction, not even mutual destruction, just straight evil destruction, killing as many people as possible. Because if he can't win, he doesn't want anyone to win. Um, to the point where he's even threatened to send out five million. He, he, they they made the threat on on uh, state television just this week. You can find it on our website, where um, the Kim Jong Un Youth League, which there's about five million youth under the age of 15. If you're under the age of 15 in North Korea, I've I've met with a lot of these children when I'm traveling inside of North Korea. Um, they're if you are under 15, you become a part of what's called the Young Pioneer Corps, which is a part of the larger Korean Children's Union. And that is collectively known as the Youth League. Five million children was basically on state television used as a threat against the rest of the world, saying that these five million young children could be given mobile like suitcase nuclear weapons and used as detonators um, in uh, high concentration, uh, high, high, high concentrated populated areas of the world. Just absolute evil. And you're talking about a suicide bombing technique that is used by the likes of ISIS. I mean, we didn't even see this with Hitler youth. So, for more information on that, you can go to our website and see our latest story that we've just put up. And um, for those of you that are concerned with what we're doing and how to help, you can also go to our gatekeepers page on how you can make a difference in this. I just wanted to stop and give another update on the current situation inside of North Korea, as well as um, you can go to our um, 
podcast page and find where we are doing a reading of one of our latest books on the underground church in North Korea. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. God bless.